Well, good day, friends, and welcome to May the 13th. It's Friday. You finished another week, and we're heading into a great weekend. I hope you'll join us at Emmanuel, either in person or online, 9 and 1030. We're looking forward to a great time in the Gospel of John. Uh, right now, we're in Psalm 48, and we are moving into verses 4 through 7. Four parts to this psalm. It's a psalm of victory and triumph and celebration. It reminds us of the large beauty of our God and the mighty power of our God and how he really deserves first place in our lives and in our priority structure and, uh, and really over our problems. He is uh, unconquerable. He's invincible. And he is for us. And he understands what's coming against us. He understands what's coming against you right now, this very day. And um, there's something I love about this psalm. Let's read it. Let's read through verse 7, and then we'll talk for a minute, and I'll let you go. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. So that's part one, God in their city. And they're saying God has rescued us. God has preserved Jerusalem. God is a refuge. God is beautiful and powerful and mighty and so deserving of my devotion, my worship, my praise. So worthy of celebration. We celebrate him in this safe place. And it's just a foreshadowing of the fact that, friend, one day you will be saying this, these words in the city of God, in the forever kingdom, uh, before the face of Jesus, it'll all be sight. You'll be there, you'll be living it out, and you'll be uh, shouting with the same joy and experiencing the same eternal refuge and saying, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And I don't even think our minds can comprehend uh, the magnitude of what we will feel about God's greatness in, those, in, those, in that time. Well, now they're going to look back a little bit and talk about God and their enemies. And they're going to recount how terrible the threat, the vulnerability was. They're surrounded by 185,000 Assyrian soldiers under the direction of a man named Sennacherib. This is during the reign of King Hezekiah. You can read about it in Isaiah 36 and 37. It's a harrowing story of providential intervention. And they describe it here. For lo, the kings were assembled. They passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Now they're, in retrospect, recounting with joy how the most powerful beings on the planet came to Jerusalem, discovered the presence of God, and, and ran for their lives. Verse 6, fear took hold upon them there, and pain, as of a woman in travail, they were absolutely overcome. They were absolutely bent over with pain and crippled and incapacitated. In a moment, incapacitated. And verse 7, Thou, God, thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. The metaphor here is that he was, he scattered these soldiers like, like mighty hurricane scatters ships, okay, and breaks them into pieces. God broke their weapons. He killed their army. Sennacherib wandered back home alone, and he was later killed by his own sons. So God intervenes uh, in, in the threat, in the vulnerability, in a moment. It's a big picture. He's going to do that for us. He can do that for you. Nothing touches you that hasn't first come through his hands and isn't first a product of his filtering providence. 
and in it, as you face it today, you have his grace, his sustaining grace, and you have his promise that this God is your God, this power is in your favor, and when God is ready, your enemies, your the things that threaten you are no match for him. Oh, I try so hard to overcome the enemies of my own sin and my own flesh and my own struggles. I, I try so hard to work through them, and, uh, and really God, number one, has already won the victory, but God promises me the victory if I continue to come to him and depend on him and wait on him and trust in him. But let me tell you what I was thinking about as the opening uh, video was rolling uh, here a moment ago. Here these people are after the battle, and they're just exploding with joy and celebration, and they're recounting the ways that God delivered them and overcame their enemies. Now, in order to have a story like that, three things have to happen, okay? Number one, you have to experience hardship in the face of a threatening enemy. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't want that. Well, if you don't have that, you don't have the deliverance in the story, okay? So number one, you have to have the experience of the hardship, the threat, the vulnerability, the invasion. You got to go through that. Number two, you've got to trust the Lord in it, okay? You've, you've got to say, God, this is your problem. I'm your child. I'm trusting you. You're going to be my refuge. You're going to be my safety. You're going to be my salvation. So number two, you've got to um, to have a trust that's that's in God. And number three, you have to be patient enough to wait on the Lord to bring that situation to a, to a full resolution. This is where we are in life. We go through hardship, we trust God, and we wait. Because God promises to bring these things to resolution. And one day, and this is the anticipation, this is the hope. Uh, Paul, to Titus, called it our blessed hope. One day, you and I will be in the city, in this city of our great God, worshiping him in this beautifully situated place, talking about the refuge that the new Jerusalem is and that Jesus is and that the gospel is. And in that place, we will be recounting all the ways that God's grace delivered us in this life. And so we're writing the story now that we will celebrate uh, for the ages to come in the grace of God. So trust him. Walk with him, anticipate him, and uh, write the story. Write the story you want to celebrate in heaven. Have a great day. We'll see you on Monday.